0: Um, we want to get rolling here, and I'm really thankful that all of you decided to come out and check this out. I got a notice, an email a couple of days ago, and uh, this is my first time to be a a speaker here at Synergy, and I got a notice that this conference was being uh, held in the main auditorium, and I emailed them right away, and I said, excuse me, um, this says that I'm in the main auditorium. They said, yeah, that's because there's so many people signed up that we needed to move you. I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, this is going to be good. But anyway, I wanted to thank you all for coming. And uh, I love it because probably some of you guys decided to sign up and take this because you guys are aware of the Great Commission. Is that true? How many of you are actually aware of the Great Commission? That's great because a lot of churches we go to, only about half of them are aware of the Great Commission. Uh, But nevertheless, today, uh, and here's what we want to talk about today. We just want to help you, equip you to help fulfill the Great Commission. So the name of this today is a modern-day Great Commission and giving you fulfillment tools, how you can fulfill that. My name is Mark Bird. I am actually the state chairman for a ministry called Revive Ohio. And I love the Ohio for Jesus uh, thing going on here. Um, Pastor Dan Holbrook. And I did revive way back in 2016 in his county when he was pastoring. And, uh, and then when I heard about Re- uh, Ohio for Jesus coming about, I'm like, we're knit together in the same heart. And so I'm praying, and I'm sure that's true, you guys are here today because you also have a heart for Ohio and ultimately for Jesus. Uh, there's our website. I'm actually uh, a full-time missionary. And uh, I'm a full-time missionary to America. How many know that Jesus said to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth? And one of those places, he actually wept over. Does anybody remember which of those places Jesus wept over? Jerusalem, right? Hometown. That's what he wept over, too. So uh, that's what we do, and we're actually missionaries right here in Ohio, my wife and I full-time missionaries here in Ohio. So that's who we are. Why? Why are we going to talk today about the Great Commission and helping the church, the body of Christ, to fulfill that? Well, here's the stats, and this comes from the U.S. Census website, okay? And here's the startling fact. How many of you guys believe that if a person dies without Jesus, that they actually go to Hell. How many of you actually believe that? Most of you? Okay. So church, what do we do about that? Every 11 seconds, somebody's dying in America. Every 11 seconds. I don't know what the statistic is exactly of how many of them are going to hell, which ones are going to heaven. I don't know exactly, but my guess is many people are dying without Christ and going to an eternity without him. Now, this is an article in Newsweek that just came out in October of 2019. So it's pretty recent. And here's what it says. The number of Christians in the U.S. is actually down 12% over the last decade. The number is down. But that means, if you calculate that, that the over 115 million people in America, do not know Jesus. Could be more, right? Because just because you go to church doesn't make you a Christian, right? And so we run across this all the time. We encounter folks, and I'll share this method with you in a little bit. We encounter folks all the time that they maybe had been in church at some point, and maybe they're not currently attending church. And making church, attending church doesn't make you a Christian. However, It shows in your reflection of your relationship with Christ if you're not connected. So is there a need in America? Is there a need in Ohio for Jesus? Well, then what is this, right? Well, it is what we talked about. It is the Great Commission. And how many of you have heard this in a sermon near you, (laughs) right? You've heard about the Great Commission, right? Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Well, let's, let's break it down. And the very first word of the Great Commission is what? Right, the very first word is go. And that, that uh, actually inquires us to actually get up and start to move. So it's hard to go when you're sitting, right? It's hard to actually receive the promises when you're sitting on the premises, Right? So the second piece is to do what? Make, say, as it doesn't say, make converts, right? Jesus said, I want you to go and I want you to make disciples. The third thing he said for us to do is baptize them, right? This is what you should do. As you go, I want you to make disciples. I want you to baptize them. The second thing I need you to do is I need you to teach them. I need you to teach them what? About me. This is what Jesus is saying. He's saying in the preceding verse, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. And he's turning to the church, to the disciples, and he's saying, go. So I have the authority, and now I'm authorizing you. I'm deputizing you to do this. So what I need you to do is I need you to go. Right. So that involves us getting up. That involves us to motivate. That Im- involves us to move. And then what I want you to do is you do all those things. And then I love this. And we usually leave this out sometimes. when We're talking about the Great Commission. But verse 20 says, and lo, I am with you. I am with you as you go. Now, listen, just like he told the disciples when he was talking in John 16, he said, I'm going to send you another comforter. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit to actually help you. And when you go, he, the Holy Spirit, will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and of judgment, right? He says, I'm going with you. I'm not leaving you powerless. I'm not leaving you to do this on your own. I'm not I'm not leaving you to come up with the right words to say. He said, the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. But the first requirement is you've got to get up and actually go. You actually have to start moving forward. How many know that... Uh, Hebrews 11 says that without faith, it's actually impossible to please Him. So if you are just sitting there and say, well, I have faith, right? You cannot please God without faith. If you want to fulfill the Great Commission, you actually have to do what it says, and that involves going, right? you got to start moving forward. You have to start reaching out. You have to start to walk this thing out. We walk by faith and not by sight, Right? So what this looks like is this. What, anybody ever seen one of these in America before? Do they have these in Ohio? What does that mean? It means go. How many of you, don't raise your hand on this question though. How many of you have been sitting in a stoplight like this and your friend or your spouse or somebody says, like it's not going to get any greener, like you weren't paying attention, the light changed and now it's green. And all of a sudden, it's not going to get any greener. And so what I think Jesus is saying to the church today is, I've given you a green light. Uh, The light is green, and I want you to go. So how many of you would honestly say that you've ever prayed and asked the Lord to send revival? How many of you have ever asked the Lord to send revival, right? Right. Amen, right? Because we want to see a move of God. And I would venture to say that's probably why you're in here today, because you want to see God move, right? And let me tell you, church, the light is green. So while we are waiting on a move of God, maybe, just maybe, you are the answer to your own prayer. Did you ever think that while we're sitting around waiting on God to bring us revival that maybe He's waiting on us? to walk out revival? Is that possible? Like, here's the deal, man. I was sitting in that seat not too long ago, just like y'all, wondering the same thing. I've sat there and prayed for 20 plus years, Lord, send revival. And it never dawned on me that maybe God's waiting. So what more are we waiting on? Are we waiting on the Holy Spirit? Jesus told his disciples, Terry here, wait in Jerusalem, right? And I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. Did that happen? Do we have access to the Holy Spirit today? Do we have access to the Word of God today? Is His Spirit living in us today? What did Jesus tell His disciples to do? To do? Right? Luke 9, Matthew 9. He sent out the 12 and He told them to what? Go take nothing with you. I've given you what you need. And then he goes on in chapters 10 of both of those, and he sent out 70 more. And he told him what? Go. And now he's waiting on the church to go. I really honestly don't think there's anything more that he's going to give us that we need to share the gospel, share the good news with a lost and hurting and dying world. I don't think there's anything more we need to do other than get up and go. Is it possible that God has already supplied us and equipped us and fulfilled us? Now, here's the truth, and this is why we do this, because honestly, You you guys all raised your hand pretty much when I said, how many of you heard about the Great Commission? You read it, you heard a sermon about it and all those things, right? But honestly, I see the church in this shape. Okay, I get it. Amen. We should fulfill the Great Commission. That is definitely something we should do. And then what you don't say is, but how do you do that? How actually do you Fulfill the Great Commission. What is the practical side of fulfilling the Great Commission? Okay, I get it. We should go. We should make disciples. We should baptize them. We should teach them. But after all, isn't that the pastor's job? It's quiet in here. Is that all the pastor? So the Great Commission was only given to pastors? Say no. Look at your neighbor say no. That's our job. That's our job to do this, to walk this out. That light means go. Now check this out. The Great Commission, let me break that down. It is a co-mission. You can't do it. You can't fulfill it without God. You can't fulfill it without the Holy Spirit. And he said, as you go, I'm going with you. It's a commission with God. But the first thing we have to do as a believer is go. You have to take the first step. You read James, said, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. We have to take the first step. If you want God to use you to help you fulfill the great commission, you got to go. You got to take the first step. And he said, Lo, I'm going to be with you. Now, here's what happened. This is the last thing that Jesus said to his disciples The very last thing, and he said, but you will receive power. That's what we just talked about. The Holy Spirit is power. I'm going to give you everything that you need. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. He is going to live inside of you from there on. And the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witness. Now, years ago, 20-plus years ago, I used to go witnessing I used to go and schedule time to go witnessing. That's what I used to do. That's what I thought street evangelism was. But this is different. Jesus is saying, I want you to be my witness. Now, if you witnessed a car accident, if you actually saw a car accident happen, and you are actually a witness on and off, well, I'm a witness today, but tomorrow I don't feel like being a witness. I didn't see that. No, if you are a witness, you can tell about it because you experienced that. And so being a witness is all the time. What Jesus is saying to the disciples? I want you to be a witness. I want you to be able to testify of me wherever you are. Now, here's the thing. This is why I'm telling you this. This is probably the most important thing that Jesus wanted to leave with his disciples. So think about this. If you're getting ready to depart on a journey, and many times people that are on their deathbeds, they want to say something really important and leave something behind before they pass. And so they may call a family member, a loved one, a friend, a pastor, a priest. They may call them and they say, I want to share one more thing before I move on. And it's usually a very important thing to that person. Wouldn't you agree? And what did Jesus say? The very last thing he did. And then what happened? This thing called the ascension. So the very next verse, he ascended into heaven. So the last thing that he said to his disciples is, I want you to be my witness. I want you to go to Jerusalem. I want you to go to Judea and Samaria and go to the ends of the earth. I want you to go everywhere you go and be my witness. And then he was taken up into heaven. Now, where? Where do we do this at? This is our calling. Our calling and our vision is to equip the saints, the church, the body of Christ, to equip them to share the gospel and make disciples. Because before you make disciples, you have to share the gospel. You have to share the good news. And our calling for our ministry is to equip the church to actually give you tools to do it. Because we shouldn't be waiting on God any longer. We should be walking this out. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the calling. We just need to put feet to our faith. Okay, this is what we do. We are one church with one message taking it to one life at a time. Think about Jesus' ministry when he was on the streets, no matter where he went, this is what he did. He took one message to one life at a time, and he touched, and he healed, and he prayed, and he delivered, and he set free one life at a time, right? And people gathered, he ministered in crowds, but yet he just went about the Father's business, And this is what we're trying to do for the church, the body of Christ. I don't care what label you have. We need to be one voice, one message, one church. And that message is Jesus Christ is the only answer to salvation. How many of you believe that today? Amen. He is the way of the truth. Now, John 4 says it's harvest time. Jesus said, hey, listen. He said, look, open your eyes, look the fields are white under harvest. There's 115 million people that don't know me. Church, I'm waiting. The fields are white. And he said, just pray for what? What did he say to pray for? Laborers. Who is that? The church. Who is waiting on God? Do I think it's wrong to wait on the Lord? No. I don't, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's right to wait on the Lord when he's already given us a green light and already given us his spirit and already given us his word. That's what he's calling us to do. The great seal of the state of Ohio. The Lord just gave me this when I was praying about this conference just a couple of days ago. And I love this because right in the middle of it is that thing right there, which is symbolic of the harvest that I believe that the Lord is saying, the fields are wide unto harvest in Ohio. And I can tell you, doing this for the last four years, the fields are truly wide unto harvest. People are hungry. No matter what the news tells you, people are hopeless and they're helpless. They're broken, they're wounded, they're weary. The list goes on and on. And they're waiting for us to feed them. What did he tell Peter? He said, do you love me? feed my sheep. Did he say, Peter, because you're a pastor, I want you to feed my sheep. How many of you read that and read Pastor Peter? No. Jesus called him to be a disciple, to feed his sheep. That's what he's calling us to do. How do we go about this? I'm glad you listened. When you walked in, you guys were given some tools, and I want to share this with you, but I want to bring your attention to this. This is kind of the method that we use Uh, to keep in mind. So put yourself for just a moment, John chapter 4, when Jesus encountered the woman at the well. This is exactly how he did it. This is how Jesus did it, right? He did four things, and we borrowed this from the Lord. We thought he did it pretty well. So we borrowed this from the Lord, and here's what he did. He loved on that woman first. The second thing he did is he listened to her story. Remember, she laid down all of her religious cards. Well, we worship over here and this is how we do it. And da, 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 da. and so he just listened and let her pour out her heart, right? And the third thing that he did, he discerned what was happening. What was the father saying? What was the Holy Spirit saying about this woman? And what happened? Of course, the Lord revealed that she had been not married, but she's had been had five husbands before. And then finally... When it came down to it, then he responded. And then what happened? Of course, you know, she became possibly one of the greatest evangelists in her city, right? Because this is the method that Jesus used. Love, listen, discern, and respond. And this is what we teach everybody to do. And you don't have to take a 12-week course to do it. You just need to learn how to love like Jesus, how to listen to people, how to discern what the Spirit of God is saying, and then respond with that response. Okay, here's our tools. You were given these as you walked in the door. You guys have a wristband when you walked in with some colors on that thing, and you were given a New Testament Bible as well, right? Everybody get one of those. If you don't have one of those, raise your hand, and my lovely wife will make sure that you get equipped because this is what our heart's desire is, to equip the church to share the gospel. It's not to share my version of the gospel. <laughs> it is the gospel. It is the word of God. And you'll see that in just a minute. And this is how this works. This is our training. When, and this is what Jesus did when he modeled this to the woman at the well. He started off in a conversation with her about water. They were at a well And he spoke and called out the obvious. They were there to get a drink of water, right? They were thirsty. And so he started off in a normal, everyday, common conversation. And then what did he do? He turned that conversation into a gospel conversation. That's what he so eloquently did. And it's really not that hard. So when we go back to love, listen, discern, and respond, what is the best way? Because you guys all also know That Jesus has called us to love our neighbors. How many of you know that? Jesus said, Love your neighbor. What is the best way to love your neighbor? Ever think about that? What's the best way you can love your neighbor? Hug them, kiss them, give them gifts. What is the best way you could love your neighbor? How about offer them Jesus? Is that not the best way? And, And here's what you're really doing. How can I pray for you today? You know what you're asking? How can I ask the Lord to intervene in your life? Like, and bless you in ways that I can't do, right? What's the best thing you can do? Let me offer you Jesus. And how can I pray for you? So, this is what we do. Sometimes we will begin a conversation about water at the well we're standing at. But then ultimately, we need to turn that conversation into a gospel conversation because we have to present the gospel. Right, And we say it this way, hey, how can I pray for you today? Now, what we don't say is, can I pray for you today? Because when you meet strangers and they ask you a yes or no question, you have no relationship with them, what will they say? No. We don't ask you, can I pray for you? We ask you, how can I pray for you today? And you will get that brief pause. And they meditate on that word how for just a second. And I might say, what's going on in your life? How can I ask God to help you? And you might think, well, that's corny. That won't work. (laughs) I can tell you thousands of times it gets their attention. Why? Because they have a hunger and thirst for God. They just don't know it. How can I pray for you today? And then you know what we do? Just pray for that. That's it. And listen, do you mind if I put my hand on your shoulder while I pray? Ask them, right? Because should we lay hands on people? Well, the Bible says we should but make sure that you ask, can I put my hand on your shoulder? Yes or no? And just pray for their request. If they they have a sick cat and they say, I want prayer for my sick cat, pray for the sick cat because it's near and dear to them, right? Pray for that. And then what? Listen to the Holy Spirit. Because just like Jesus modeled, woman at the well, the Lord gave him the discernment of what was going on in her life, and he spoke to that, right? And then he knew how to respond to her. Second thing is this. May I offer you this wristband? You guys have a wristband that when you came in. I want to offer you a free gift. Thank you for letting me pray with you today. That's it. Keep it simple, right? You're offer you this wristband, okay? So I take the wristband off, I hand it to him. I'll be honest, personally, I've never had anybody not take the gift. It's a free gift. I say it, it's a free gift. Can I offer you a free gift? And the first thing they do is they start looking at it. How many of you looked at this when it was handed to you today, right? You start looking at it. And then I'll say, hey, call it out. What do you notice about that? Anybody? What do you notice about that wristband when it was first handed to you? Scripture's on it, right? Not everybody recognizes it in Scripture. Some do. What's something else you noticed about it? Five colors, right? So here's what, it, here's what it looks like. I'll say this. Can I explain to you what the five colors mean? Do you have five minutes? And I'm going to show you this. It only takes five minutes. That's what I'm going to show you. It takes five minutes to share the gospel. So now when you think about fulfilling the Great Commission, do you, Christian, have five minutes to change someone's eternity? I'm going to give you tools that are going to put that into your hand that you can share the gospel in 5 minutes that could change someone's destiny forever. And if they say no, I don't have 5 minutes. I was just getting ready to walk into the dentist office. Sorry. Guess what we do? We tackle them and share the gospel anyway with them. I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. No, that's it. What we did before that, right, in order to get a wristband is we prayed for them, right? Paul said, one man plants, another man waters, but God gives the increase. So you don't know if you're sowing or you're watering, and does it matter? The rest of that scripture says the one who plants, the one who waters is nothing, but only God who gives the increase. And so maybe you just planted a seed by saying, how can I pray for you? And all of a sudden, they let you pray for them. And that might be the only opportunity you get, and that's enough. Isn't that not enough? So when Jesus said, love your neighbors, is that not loving your neighbor? Loving your neighbor who's a stranger, you've loved on them, you've asked God to intervene in their life. And so if they say, yes, I have five minutes, and listen, if you ask for five minutes, please stick to five minutes. Honor their time, but I'm going to show you, I can share the gospel in five minutes. I said, great, I'd like to offer you another free gift. I always use the word free gift, and you'll see why as we start to share these scriptures, right? It talks about the free gift of salvation, right? And so here's what this looks like. So you all have this. I want to invite you to put your thumb or your finger on tab number one, and I will start with the wristband, and I'll say number one on here is yellow. We're going to start at yellow. You can see at the top of the Bible, the color yellow, put your thumb or your finger on that number one, open up the Bible to that page on that tab. And even if you're sitting there, you can see this. But you'll notice there's a highlighted verse there, right? You don't even have to know that that's Romans 3.23. You don't have to memorize that. All you have to do is open up the Bible to that. Now, here's what I'll do next. We would like them to read these verses, why? Romans 10 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, the gospel. And so I will ask them to not offend them. Are you able to see that highlighted verse? And some people have said, no, I don't have my glasses with me. So I don't want to embarrass them, but I'll say this. Okay, great, if you can see that, are you able to read that? Yes, I can. Do you mind reading that? Can I have a volunteer to read this verse? That's it for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. What does that mean to you, sir? There you go. It's pretty simple, right? I'll just ask an open-ended question and let them share from their heart what that means. I'm just asking, right? Close your Bible. Go to tab number two. Open up to that highlighted verse. So yellow stands for sin. The next one we're going to is black. Romans 6.23. Can I have a volunteer to read Romans 6.23, please? There's that free gift word. That's why I use that, right? It's the free gift. But the wages of my sin, yellow, is what? Black. Black stands for death, right? That's bad news. How many think sin and death are good news? I was going to pray for you real quick if, if you did. That's bad news, right? But now comes the good news. Let's go to red, number three. Number three is red, stands for love. I'm showing you guys, you can do this in five minutes, literally. We're already to number three, right? Number three is love, Romans 5.8. Who can read Romans 5.8 for me? So while we were yet yellow... And headed for black, here comes the red, right? Here comes the love. Here comes the blood of Christ. And while we were yet sinners, God said, I want to demonstrate or I want to show them that I love them no matter where they are. And that's good news, right, for us sinners, right? So already three verses, less, way less than five minutes. The next one is blue. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, can I have somebody read number four? Number four stands for faith. Blue stands for faith. Right, there's that gift of God again, but you have to receive this gift by faith. It's by faith alone, not works. You guys see that? Again, let them talk about it. I, I, I share the gospel all the time with people, and I say, hey, have you ever heard that before? And they're like, no, I thought I had to earn my way. I have people tell me that all the time. And I go, well, I'm just sharing the gospel with you right here in this Bible, right? And they're like, wow, I never heard that before. So here we are already on the very last color. The very last color is green. Green stands for life. Who doesn't want life, right? Right? And uh this is the longest verse that we have Romans 10:9 and 10. Can I have a a volunteer read that scripture? Thank you, ma'am. Yep, there it is. But, but stop for a minute, right? Stop for just a second. Break it down, right? That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be what? Okay, that's a great time to say, have you ever heard that before? Have you ever heard that word before? Let me tell you, there's lots of people who think they know what that word means, right? And I'm not here to debate with you. I'm just wondering what that means to you. Have you ever experienced that before, right? What the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart, you will be saved. And people ask me all the time on the streets of Ohio, what do I need to be saved from? Right here, the sin that leads to death. That's what we all need to be saved from. How does Jesus do that? While we're yet sinners, he sent his son to be love and a substitution for our sin, right? I have to believe in that by faith. I have to receive that free gift by faith, and then I can have life. So at this point, this is what we do, and I'll encourage you, just flip over to the back cover of the Bible, the very back, and here's what happens. We ask folks this right now. Is there anyone or anything stopping you from receiving this free gift today? Is anybody holding you back? Is anybody stopping you? And I'll be honest, I'm astounded at the number of people say, nope, nobody's holding me back. Nobody's stopping me. Are you interested in receiving this free gift today? And if they say no, they say, I'm going to stand here until you do. No, I'm totally kidding, right? You're offering the free gift to them, right? And if they say, yeah, would you like to do that today? would you like to receive this free gift today, right? So I did this in under five minutes, shared the gospel, not my version, not my doctrine, what the Bible says. I shared the scripture with them in five minutes. Here it is. And if you'll notice, there's a, uh, there's a, a prayer on the back of that Bible as well which, of course, we would prefer them to pray in their own words and do that. But remember, some of the people that we encounter out there, outside the church walls, many of them have never prayed before. And so they've probably never prayed out loud either, and they're probably not willing to pray out loud in front of you. And so guess what? There's a scripted prayer here, and, and I've prayed with them. I've let them use this prayer. Uh, as a guideline to pray, but the bottom line is this, that they have to believe it in their heart, right? That's what the scripture says. And now, here's back to the Great Commission. Back to the Great Commission. Jesus said, go and make converts, right? No, he said, go make disciples. Right now is when the thing begins. As they're introduced to Christ, now they're beginning a life of discipleship. And the orange tab uh, the last tab on your Bible, it's not on the wristband, but here is the, the orange tab, the discipleship tab, and here's what we start to say to these folks that have just prayed. Would you like to meet with someone to help you learn more about what it means to follow Jesus? This is where we get you connected with someone to do the next part of the Great Commission to start being baptized, start following and learning and teaching Jesus And would you like to do that? So we're going to connect with you and help you in your journey, right? And then we teach them this. You are now new in Christ. So the first page in the orange tab is by introducing and telling them that you are now new in Christ. If you've asked Jesus into your heart and repented of your sins and asked him to forgive you, you are now a new creation in Christ. Teaching them that piece, explaining to them the Holy Spirit is now present to help you in this journey as a Christian. Now, the next page is, we want you to learn how to grow in Christ. Now, what you have to do when you're a newborn baby, you have to learn how to grow. You have to learn how to walk. You have to learn how to do this. And this is why we're offering you discipleship, follow-up, mentorship, however you want to describe that. We want to offer that to you because that's who Jesus said we need to make, right? And then here's what happened. Um, and growing with Christ, you know, you need to be added to the church and be, and be baptized. So then uh, here's the last thing that we want to share with them. And now you need to learn how to share Christ. So you might pause on that. Hmm. Well, which chapter and verse did Jesus say, wait till you've been saved for 12 and a half years and then tell someone about Jesus? out on the streets with us and listen their testimony is fresh and it is real and it is true right and to get them to start sharing the gospel and to start discipleship relationships is second to none so when do you teach new converts to share the gospel and how do you share the gospel five minutes use the word they, they aren't probably going to know what R- Romans 3.23 is, but they'll know what tab number one is. It's pretty simple. Now, if you're anything like me when you first saw this, you might say, that's pretty corny. A, a, a wristband and a fancy little tab New Testament, that's kind of corny. That's what I said the very first time I was introduced to me. I was like, I don't think that could work. <laughs> so uh, Rex... Uh, we had revival in your county uh, just a few months back. Does this work?
1: First of all, we prayed for uh, twenty seven hundred and fifty five people in two weeks. We went we went ended up extending, but we ministered and prayed over twenty seven hundred people. And uh, so that many people said, when we said, how can I pray for you, they wanted prayer. Over 2,700 people in a small rural county, Seneca County. Uh, we led 100 people to Christ during that time. Uh, 28 of them ended up uh, actually following through with discipleship. Uh, we had more than that that, that we tried to disciple. Um, but uh, as you know, as a pastor, uh, people who uh, pray to accept the Lord, um, 28 out of, out of 100 actually following through in discipleship is pretty good. And uh, since that time, our people are sharing their faith on a regular basis. We had a young man brought two friends uh, two weeks ago, Sunday, and uh, his, his two friends got saved at, at church. And then, uh, last Sunday, after church, they asked if they could have these Bibles and be trained right on the spot. So, uh, one of my, one of my uh, leaders sat those two boys down, teenage boys, taught them how to use the Bibles. So, it works. It does. And it doesn't cost anything, because you, you won't say this. <laughs> so, revive... Uh, invested as near as we could figure after we found out how much the Bibles and things cost. they, As near as we could figure, they invested about $7,000 worth of materials in Seneca County and never received a single offering or a penny from any of our churches. And since then, now we are buying our own materials to continue. And we meet, uh, we go out, there's an outreach today in Seneca County, and I'm not there because I'm here.
0: Thanks, Pastor Rex. So the truth is this, right? Jesus said, freely you have received, freely give. The world is dying without Christ. And here's the other thing. They're dying to know him. They just don't know it, right? They don't even realize that they're stuck on yellow and black. They don't even know that there's, green available because they don't even know about the red and they don't even know about the blue and so the question is this whose job is it to tell them whose job is it to tell them so how many bible passages do you have to have memorized and not that i'm saying you shouldn't memorize the bible but how many of these scriptures do you have to have memorized to share this with somebody right the reason we use a pocket-sized new testament right Is because you can always have it ready. This will fit in your pocket. Ladies, it'll fit in your purse. You can always be ready. I always, if you see me, I have two wristbands on, one to wear and one to share, always, right? Because Jesus said we're supposed to be instant, in season and out, be ready to share. We are called to be his witnesses wherever we go. It doesn't matter if I'm at the gas station, if I'm in a restaurant having, I'll ask the waitress, how can I pray for you today? Go through the drive through. Hey, how can I pray for you today? Go pump gas. This happened in Texas. I'm standing at the gas pump at Walmart pumping gas. And I look over and there's a Hindu boy there. He was a man. He was an adult. And I said, hey, how can I pray with you today? And he was like, yeah, pray for my mom. Right? And I ended up leading this Hindu man to the Lord. And this blew my mind. I'll never forget this. He said, my mom is going to be so proud of me that I did this. I was like, aren't you a Hindu? And he goes, yeah, but she wants me to have a good life. He realized that, recognized that, right? That without Christ, he didn't have a good life. And he didn't realize that until he realized what the good news was right, the good news of Jesus Christ. Is there any questions? We also provide discipleship curriculum if people want to do that. Uh, We bring those to a community. We make those uh, available. You don't have to do it. We want you all to disciple them, but we are going to equip the saints to share the gospel and make disciples. That's what we're called to do. So this is a picture. I just wanted to share one picture with you. Um, The other thing that actually happens when communities come together to share the gospel, because this is the other thing that we try to accomplish. We will work within a community trying to bring unity. So it doesn't matter what brand you are, what label you are, whatever, we're called to share the gospel as Christians. Every Christian is called to be a witness. But this is Uh, a group of pastors lined up across there in this particular community, and they said, we will be united in Christ for the mission of the co-mission to share the gospel and make disciples. So that's what it looks like. Are there any questions that you guys have about any of this? Yes, sir. Okay, so it it depends Um, because before we head out, we always make sure that we're praying. We're praying before we leave the church. We're praying in our vehicle. We're praying and we're asking God for direction. And so it depends. In some cases, I'll start a conversation with that. In some cases, I'll start talking about the water at the well I'm standing at. Sometimes I just state the obvious. Sometimes it's pouring down rain. And I'll start a conversation about the rain, right? But it's all about having the opportunity to turn a regular conversation into a gospel conversation. Now, I had a group of pastors up in the east, northeast side of Ohio, and they said, you know, I don't have any problem praying for people in public, but, but they said, we struggled with actually turning it over into sharing the gospel then, like flipping the page, and now how do we actually share the gospel with them? And I said, this is a great way. Hey, how can I pray for you? You wouldn't believe the number of people. <laughs> I, I, I remember this. I remember going and meeting up with a family in the park, and their older brother was actually with uh, younger siblings, and they all said, well, he's an atheist, right? And so in that setting, he was the, the one in charge of them. And I said, would it be okay if I prayed for your siblings? He says, oh, yeah. Well, I thought you were an atheist. Yeah, but, you know, my, my, my parents are Christians, though. You see what I'm saying? You you never know until you ask an an uncovering question. You don't know what's going on there, right? He went on to tell us all the things that he had been through and why he's no longer following the Lord. But by the end of the conversation, we we encouraged the young man to go home and talk to his parents about what happened. Because guess what? His siblings came to know the Lord right there. Right, and so just think about what the Lord's doing in that family, and that's what the Lord wants to do in families. He's just waiting on us to go. You see what I'm saying? And you know, and, and we always say this all the time in training: don't make it weird. Jesus isn't weird; he's awesome. You don't have to be weird about it. Hey, man, you know how's it going? I just got drenched when I ran across the street, and he's like, "Yeah, it's 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 pouring, man. This is crazy." Hey, let me ask you something. How can I pray for you today? What's going on? Oh, let me think about that for a second. You know? Well, what's going on in your life? You need God's help for something, some area of your life, for a loved one, family member, job, you know, anything going on? Yeah. Yeah, I just lost my job two days ago. You think that person wants some help? Is struggling? Yeah. Right? He's just looking for what? Love. That's really what it is. People are looking for love. They don't know that they're missing the love of the Father in a lot of cases. And God will use you um, to do that and be that answer. And he's given us his word to do that. Any other questions? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Okay, how many do you need? Okay. All right, well, well, see me afterwards and I'll get you hooked up. All right, brother. You had another question, brother. Yep. Right. Yep. And I don't
1: feel like we've ever found a way. Right. To, to put a right. Place, right.
0: It sounds like what you're doing is you're telling me I can just walk up to somebody and share them the on each other after work. Rex, can you?
1: Yep. Now here's the
0: here's the truth, man. And, and I appreciate this question so much, especially in a group like this, because there are those things called servant evangelism. There are things called uh, friendship evangelism. There are things called street evangelism. And there are things called uh, uh, relationship, neighbor evangelism. What's the denominator in all of those methods? Evangelism, which is what? Sharing the gospel. And this is what I say. It's just a matter of when do you share the gospel? Like every one of those, the denominator is, share, is the gospel. And so it's like, well, do I have to make friends with them? Now, is that for six weeks, six months, six years? Do I have to go talk to my neighbor and then pray someday the door might be open that I actually share the gospel, right? Or is it servant evangelism where I'm handing out bottles of water and I hope magically someday they ask me about Jesus? But the bottom line is evangelism. And Jesus said, go and make disciples. Now, Am I against the other methods? No. If that's how God uses it, praise the Lord. But the bottom line, common denominator is evangelism. And the question remains, when do you tell them about Jesus? And I don't care when. I just say, tell them about Jesus. He's the answer. And so that's a really great question because that does come up. Yes, sir. How do you get it in your county? I'll give you my card. Give me a call. We'll come and start a conversation. Every one of these just starts with a conversation, right? We sit down with pastors and leaders, and we have coffee, and we pray. (laughs) That's exactly what we do. And we will set up a time in the process. Uh, And we picked this up from Billy Graham's ministry. Whenever Billy Graham did a crusade in a city, he always sent a team in six to 12 months ahead of time and prayed with the local leaders and started preparing and seeking the Lord. And we do the same thing. We always say it's a marathon, not a sprint. But, man, when it comes time to hit the streets, let's go. You know, let's go.
1: Yeah. Um, Just want to say one more thing. Um, When Revive comes, it's typically a a week long. Uh, And it's not just an event, but they're coming in. They're training your people. Uh, Our church runs um, 120-some people. We had 40 people that received the training, went out on the streets, and uh, we're continuing with you know other churches in our county. We've continued having our monthly outreaches, but our people are trained now to do this in their everyday life. And so that's what, how it works with friendship evangelism and all of the different uh, things. I, I always taught my people how to use the Romans Road, but they weren't doing it. This got them out there to do it. Or even to just go out and observe on a team and realize, hey, I can do this and I can use this to lead my friend to the Lord. Yeah, That's a great
0: point. We, we also have, and, and um, I, I always do this, I carry uh, this gospel card with me as well. We have these gospel cards. Sometimes when you say, hey, do you have five minutes uh, that I can explain those colors to you? And as I mentioned in the example, they might say, no, I'm just getting ready to walk into the dentist, okay? So listen, but you already prayed for them. You already gave them a wristband. And we also have these little gospel cards, right, with the five verses on little pocket-sized cards. So if I don't have time, if they don't have time to sit down with me for five minutes and go through the Bible, we do have the verses on there. And I can tell you we've got countless testimonies where we've left the gospel behind and people have actually gone. I have got this amazing testimony from a McDonald's. This is hilarious. So we went into a McDonald's and we prayed for the workers in there. You know, we had permission from the manager. Yeah, we could. You can share the gospel for five minutes to all of our workers. So we did that. We shared the gospel for five minutes with all the workers in this McDonald's. And the next day. There was this guy coming through the drive-thru, and one of the workers was in the drive-thru working, and he looked down, and there was a revived Bible sitting in the drive-thru. Well, there was this customer in line that was causing all kinds of problems, was sitting in line, cussing, and having a really bad day. And so this guy who just got equipped saw the Bible, saw a problem, and he said, Sir, how can I pray for you today? And that's all it took because that's what he was trained to do and he didn't know what else to do. And the guy started pouring out his heart about why he was having such a lousy day and what was going on in his life so much that he's standing there and the the kid is going through the gospel Bible with him in the drive-thru. And the manager finally comes and says, Come on, we got cars lined up. And so the guy pulls over and he's like, He gave his heart to the Lord. He's standing there going, yes, Jesus. So you just never know. What we're trying to do is equip the saints to share the gospel, right? I don't have to be there. You don't have to be out on a team. We just want people to do this as a lifestyle. Remember, Jesus said, you shall be my witnesses. We just want to give you the tools to be a witness for Christ wherever you go. Whether it's a card that you leave behind or you have five minutes to go through the Bible, no matter what, just be a witness. Any other questions in the room? All the way in the back. I'll give you this
1: so people can hear you. Is that
0: okay? you. Uh, my question is about uh, how to best uh, communicate uh, the word of God at the workplace. At in the, work, workplace. In the yeah, workplace, in the workplaces. That's a, a great question. So the question that he has is, how do you communicate the word of God in a workplace? And it's really awesome because here's the other thing that I'm going to tell you. And I told you, you don't have to be weird to share the gospel. You don't have to. We ask permission. Like when we came into the McDonald's, we didn't just barge in there. Like we asked permission. Would it be okay to pray for your employees? Right? Well, nobody ever asked that. Well, sure, you can pray for my employees. Am I saying that every business allows us to do that? No. But guess what? If you're creating disciples that will be a witness, maybe the employer won't give you permission to share the gospel with everybody, but maybe if you're equipped and trained, there's going to become an opportunity where you get to one-on-one share the gospel with your coworker. Here's what happens, guys, and you know this to be true. You work in a workplace, and you're the, oh, they're the Christian over there. And then you get a little ridiculed and mocked and all those things. Now, when sickness hits their family member, who's the first person that they come seeking? Do you see what I'm saying? And so when the door opens, the Lord opens it, walk through the door, you're now equipped. You don't have what? The Word of God. And that's what you were asking, was the Word of God. How do you use the Word of God in the marketplace, in the workplace? That's how you do it. Be ready, be equipped, be trained, and look for an opportunity. The Lord will open up those doors. And sometimes uh, we've been invited in to share the gospel in in the lunchroom on break. Hey, can we pray for your employees on break? You're not paying them during that time. They get a 15-minute break. I already showed you, I can share the gospel in five minutes, right? Is it possible? And we will ask, hey, we've been invited. Listen, in my county where I pastored, we have nine public schools in our county. We got invited into all nine public schools to pray with the students, with the faculty. We got invited, like we didn't call them, they called us. Why? Because people's lives were getting touched in the community, and the students began to talk. And they said, hey, hey, can we, can we invite this team in to pray for our cheerleader squad, our, our volleyball team, our football team, our chess club, like all these things. Like, hey, these people are in town, and they want to pray for us. You guys can do that in your own communities. Just make yourself available. Offer to Pray. Like, I'm telling you, people will not turn down. Now, some will, but not very many people will turn down that offer for prayer. Why? Because you're just asking God to intervene for them. That's all you're really actually doing. It kind of takes the fear out of it. Here's the reason most Christians won't share the gospel. Two things. And I was told this by a Satanist in Louisiana. He said, our two greatest weapons... In Satan's kingdom are fear and intimidation. He said, those are our two greatest weapons. He said, and I'm going to wrap up with this. And here's a story that he told me. So this is from the dark side. He says, now, he said, I want to pose a question to you. He says, I want to see how you would respond to this. He said, so I'm sitting in my living room and I look out my front window and there's a young lady out there in the neighborhood passing out tracks. She's sharing her faith, right? He says, I'm a warlock, and he says, how do you think I'm going to react to her in my neighborhood passing out tracts and sharing the gospel? How do you think I'm going to react? And I'm like, well, I don't know. I'm guessing that you're going to try to cast a spell on her. He goes, that's exactly what we want you to think. We want you Christians to think that we're going to try to cast a spell on this person. He says, no, you know what I did? He said, this is a real life story. He goes, you know what I did? I got up off my couch I walked out and I just looked like I was walking innocently down the street and I just came up behind her and I just grabbed her rear end and then I walked back in my house and I sat down. So she equated sharing the gospel with that happening to her and she just stopped. His desire is for us to just shut up and stop sharing the gospel using fear and intimidation. She shut herself down. The devil didn't. See what I'm saying? Just instilled fear, and that's what's happening. The Christians are just fearful. We're just afraid of, I might get spit on. I might get laughed at. I might get, you know, we don't know what persecution is in America. Like, really? That's it? No. So I, I do this with my children, and I'm wrapping up with this. My children, all five of my children are now very equipped to share the gospel. And my kids from age 22 all the way down to six, they know how to share the gospel. I remember my six-year-old walking up to the lady in Family Dollar at the checkout. Hey, how can I pray for you, my little six-year-old daughter? And the lady just starts weeping. How did you know? She's six. My daughter didn't know anything. like right? She just did what we taught her to do. And the lady started pouring out her heart of how she had just been going through a divorce and all of these things. Of course, I'm standing back watching. And finally, I said, honey, there's a lot of people in line here that want to check out. And she goes, they can just wait. Right? And she wanted to give her heart to the Lord right there. And so it's just the reason that we don't, because fear and intimidation. My daughter knew no fear, no intimidation. She was just doing what she knew to do, and she watched people's lives. And so this is what happens, folks. We stop ourselves. We shut ourselves down, and the devil wins. We've got to go. All right, so if you guys want any further information, like I said, I'll stick around here afterwards. But if you want to uh, look, look us up, there's my email address. There's our website, and uh, we would love to hear from you, and uh, we'd love to pour into you and your communities. Thanks for your time, guys.